How's it going, y'all? You're listening to Fretboard Confessional. My name is Cooper Greenberg. My name is Christopher McKee. We're over here at Alamo Music Center because we work here, and we're talking all things guitar and related. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. Wouldn't it be weird if we were here, but we didn't work here, and we were just those guys that hung out in a music store all the time? There's plenty of those. And never bought anything? Yeah, we got a... (laughs) We've had a lot of altercations because of that, the basis of that. Everybody who works in a music store listening to the podcast goes, oh, I know that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it gets rough sometimes. I like the guy who, who comes into music stores, never buys anything, and has an opinion about everything. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 I know more than you, which is fine, except when you don't. So, yeah. yeah that's... We had a fellow come in the store not too long ago, and he came in like four days in a row, and he would just sing and play loudly in the back. So, at one point, we walked back there, we're like, how's it going, man? Uh... So what are you looking for? He goes, I was wondering if I could buy this guitar and leave it here because I work down the street. I'd like to come in and play it every once in a while. We we're like well, visitation you, rights with a guitar. Yeah, I, I like, like it. Well, you can buy it and take it, take I, it home. I've always loved those guys that come in and they, they, yeah, they grab a guitar and they just play and sing at the top of their lungs. It's like, okay, so you're the main character of the story. Got it. Cool. Yeah, he was doing Zombie by the Cranberries, but real slow and brooding like. Oh, sounds good. Sounds like something I'd like. I hired him. <laughs> He's a new salesman. His name, Josh. Works behind the camera. So let's get into it. I've got a, a few things I wanted to talk about today. But the first thing, I have a question for you, Cooper Greenberg. What you got? Do you suffer from uh, like anxiety as a musician or self-doubt or like imposter syndrome or any of that stuff where you're just like, you know, no matter how good anyone may tell you you are, you're just like, no. Yeah. No, every day for sure. It's a big deal. I mean, I think everybody to a certain extent that is constantly trying to improve, you know, I've, I've been practicing a lot as you know, I've been trying to get more regimented with it, but, uh, actually I'll give you a good example. Doyle Dykes came in the other day and he played for me for a good while. And it just totally ignited that in me. Like I, I'm not that good. You know, Doyle's incredible incredible guitar player very very nice guy and he was like i just want to play on something for a minute so i brought up martin custom shop and he played on it and immediately dove into the most intricate finger style piece with harmonics on every fret and i was the speed at which he can do fretted harmonics insane yeah it's incredible you know i I have a funny main character of the story story regarding doyle and not that he is doyle is one of the most humble genuine yeah sweet people you'll ever meet in your life while being an incredible world-class musician yeah but uh this had to have been 15 years ago okay and it was at our babcock location and he was doing a clinic and he's playing just phenomenal finger style guitar yeah and this old guy sitting in the front row raises his hand and tells him you're a little out of tune i have perfect pitch and <laughs> get out <laughs> it's like i'm sure i am yeah you know guitar is not necessarily a perfect instrument and i'm doing all sorts of various alternate tunings so yeah probably so <laughs> you want to hear some crazy so when he came in he had his grandson with him and they were in town for a convention but just stopped by to say hi which i thought was very cool yeah he played guitar for probably about half an hour, and of course, everybody that was in the store was back there listening to him. And he was like, all right, well, we got to head out. Before I leave, is it cool if uh, my grandson plays you something? And so I was thinking, oh, he's going to grab a guitar. But he was like, yeah, I play piano. So he walked to the other side of the store. He hopped on the SK 
three or whatever is back in the recital hall right now and threw down on he was I maybe 15 years old very very humble and quiet and he's like yeah I just you know I don't play that much but I want to play something really nice hopped on the piano and like blew everybody's mind and you could tell it was like this you know moment of pride for for Doyle but it was really wild so then I was like oh my god well this yeah. guy's like a master at piano already. Well, it's a family of musicians. His yeah. daughter, Haley, uh, she was doing music and had an album. She's done a f- two albums, I think, maybe more. Uh, phenomenal voice, great mandolin player. Her husband's a, a string bass player, upright bass player uh, that, you know, plays in Nashville and stuff, which is how they met. His son, Caleb, plays guitar. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I I take pride that my boys are playing music and, uh they're going to surpass me. I can tell you right now because so I'm going to brag. I'm going to be a proud father on the podcast for a second. My uh, middle son, I've got three sons. It's my three sons. Do, 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 do. The people who watch Nick at night or are very old know that reference. But anyways, um, my middle son, Lucas plays cello and he plays piano and he's learning guitar and a bunch of other stuff. He wrote his own, orchestra arrangement for like a quintet yeah you were um, talking about that's crazy and got it approved for performance with like regional solo ensemble competition put together a team showed them broke out all like he wrote all of the various parts on yeah. a keyboard hand did the notation and his is funny his director was like this in eighth grade and, it, and his director was like, uh, there are easier ways than just handwriting all this stuff, you know? <laughs> and then they performed it and they got a one in competition. Um, being allowed to perform it, well, I thought yeah. was incredible. But yeah, I, that was a that was one of those recognitions of like, I'm very proud of you and you are going to surpass me as a musician, so. Yeah, I feel like that's exactly what the graders at UIL want to see is some, somebody not only that's a great player, but takes that initiative to write their own piece. I wish that I could have had the uh, knowledge and confidence to you know, even try something like that. But the fact that it was a success is pretty, pretty wild, man. Pretty cool. Yeah. Just, just more feeding into my imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's actually encouraging to hear that you deal with that. Yeah. But I asked you that question to set up a story. I got a story for you. Give okay. For everybody listening to this podcast, I am laying it out there. I'm letting my own embarrassment be your entertainment. So, <laughs> Um, I lead worship at a church, you know, um, not by myself, thank God. And, uh, and I've done this for years and like many others, particularly since COVID, we stream our services online on Mm. Sunday mornings. And I, you know, I will, before the story, I will tell you this, it's a small congregation and we, uh, I have to be very diligent with finances and resources. Yeah. So unlike uh, some big churches that like have just you know, they need to drop 10 grand, no problem. They could buy 10 grand worth of equipment. I can't do that. So to get really creative with software and hardware in order to be able to have a separate mix to stream, because if you're listening to this, if you don't realize what, <laughs> how you mix something for a space is different from how it should sound through speakers or yeah. through headphones or what have you. And so you have to have a separate mix. So we did that and I've dialed in that mix and I've adjusted it as we've gone as needed. And it was pretty darn good. Okay. <laughs> So, you can understand my horror when a few months ago I heard uh, a stream of one of our services with me singing and I sounded like a dying crow. I sounded (laughs) so bad. The crow. And if you ever have any type of ego that needs to be humbled in any way, just have children. 
Because if you have a singular weakness at all, they will point it out to you. I mean, never mind that I'm a bald man and they pretend like they can see their future in my head. But like, if you screw up something, your children won't let you forget it. So the fact that I sounded like I was dying, they just wouldn't let go of. In fact, my eldest son started being the seagull from Little, Little Mermaid. You know, every yeah. time we're like, oh, dad's singing. It's just, oh just terrible. Gosh. And so I was, I was horrified. And I yeah. started thinking like, man, have people have complimented my singing in the past and I'm losing a step. I'm losing my voice. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm sound, yeah. I sound so flat. And, and I started thinking there's something wrong with my monitors. My in-ear monitors are you're like, what's wrong? And so we do a service and I'd come away going, all right, that sounded good. I was, I was being very, very sure that I was on key. Yeah. Right. And if I'm hitting this high note, that's kind of at the top of my register. I'm making sure that I'm focusing on hitting that note. Right. And then I go back and listen to it, and it would sound horrible for months. Okay, <laughs> so I get COVID, and uh, and I and I don't sing for a while. So this past Sunday, yesterday, yeah, was my first time singing at all since recovering from COVID and kind of getting my voice back. And I felt that you know what it it went pretty well. It, yeah. it went pretty good. And so. We're having lunch afterwards, and my nephew and my eldest son are listening back to the live stream of the song that I sang on. And again, I'm like, it sounds so bad. And I'm like, what's wrong? Is the mix, am I just too loud? Like, that sounds really off key. And my youngest is like, yeah, dad, that sounds really, really bad. You just, you, you should just stop singing altogether. Oh, but I have to give credit to my eldest son, Christian, because he goes, you know what? Because he plays drums for us. And he was like, you know what? It, it sounded good in my monitors. Like, it sounded pretty good. This, this is weird. And that gave me the little bit of nugget of information I needed. So I went back and I checked our settings that evening in Logic. And lo and behold, someone had turned on a plugin for pitch correction. Dude. <laughs> on I my knew it. Yeah. Months ago. And it was set to the key of E. It was hard set to the oh key of E. Gosh. And it was changing the pitch of my voice every single time I sang for the recording. So everyone who just was just thrown into you in an E major scale. Anyone who was sitting in service was like, this sounds great. Anyone who was watching online is like, how could they put this guy in front of a microphone? You got T Pain over here yeah, in exactly. the wrong key. But it was it, it was subtle because you could like you couldn't hear that it was auto-tuned, but it was changing the pitch yeah. on all these notes I was singing. So, you know, it's funny you think oh about gosh. musicians, we yeah. tend to deal with this, like, this, this, this self-doubt. And I'm like, guys, I don't need any help here. Why are we turning on pitch correction without me knowing about it and just, like, ruining stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you at you least, deal with volunteers. It's fine. Oh, man. At least put it on a chromatic, you know, <laughs> just snap it to the closest note. You know, for me, first of all, I kept thinking, like, Throughout the whole thing, I'm like, there's a plug-in at the end of yeah. this story. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like a pitch shift or something like that. <laughs> but also, the even though Logic has incredible plugins, like their pitch correction one, it's it bad. can get wonky sometimes. It's bad. There's really not a good pitch correction. Uh, you know, Antares it, is fine, but... It really made me sound like the seagull from Little Mermaid. Yeah, it gets really rough. Bad. It gets really rough. Um, for me, the sad part is I have all these songs that I've recorded... 
you know, in 2018, 2019, like when I first started diving into like, I'm going to put a real studio album out. And so then when I started playing more shows with our band and everything, I would, we would learn the songs by the recordings because I did all the recordings, played everything, Mm -hmm. just me and Tommy. Um, And then I'd pass them the songs, they'd learn them by ear and then we'd play them. Um, and I, for some reason, I cannot even say, there was only a few years ago, I cannot sing as high as I did on the recordings. So I find myself, there's a good example. One of the songs that I demo a lot with is called Cactus Flower. I recorded it in C major. Mm-hmm. I cannot sing it when I'm doing it solo or anything. I cannot sing it. Um, I have to do it in G now. Mm. I have to drop wow. it that low. Cause it's so like, just something, I feel like my range is shrinking and lowering at the same time. And so, you know, at least you can sing. All right. At least you can sing. You don't need pitch correction. I am struggling with, you know, to that point, though, you know, I, I was struggling with range for a bit. It was weird. It was like there's a por- portion of my life where I, I didn't have any uh, actual lessons or instruction in singing. Yeah. And I sang too breathy and wrong and didn't support my voice for a long, long time. And then I learned how to properly use my diaphragm and support my voice and and switch between my chest and my head voice and you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, um, my voice was better and my range improved. And then something happened uh, a few years ago where I found myself straining my voice a lot. And I, I've realized that it's when I'm playing guitar, mm-hmm. uh, I typically, like you, I'm playing electric guitar. I'm playing a lot of lead stuff while I'm singing. Yeah. Some of the more complicated things, it means that you're focusing more on your playing than on your singing, which means that I'm not supporting my voice like I should because I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. And then I strain my voice and then, you know, it, it it's it's like this compounding issue. Yeah. So that's maybe what you're dealing with. Yeah. I think for me, part of it too is if the stage mix, if my guitar is... I really like my guitar to be loud in the monitors and in turn I have to have my vocals pretty loud because if the guitar is louder than the vocals I over sing and I'm yelling to, so I can hear myself better. Yep. Um, but I also there's a lot of times in songs when I'll end with a big grandiose scream or yell and I used to be able to do that all the time. I played on Saturday and I did a few I did a few big ones, and when I woke up on Sunday morning, no, no voice, voice, dude. Yeah. That's bad. So, I'm just falling apart over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm falling apart. It's all good. Working at Alamo Music and Sales may do that to you. <sighs> well, if anybody who's listening has any tips for us, if you are an actual singer, um, you know, send them our way. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned is uh, as I've... I've, I've really made a point to play some importance on my voice mm-hmm. because I speak a lot. I sing a lot and straining it. You just know is counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a real hard issue a few, like a month ago. Uh, some people went on vacation at our church that would normally be there mm-hmm. to cover. And I got sick, not with COVID. It was actually worse than when I had COVID. <laughs> it was like this terrible cold. You remember COVID wouldn't yeah. go away. I had no voice, yeah, and yet I had to like sing. I had to like power through it, um, doing Tom Waits service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's really bad. So you know, I've tried to you know take care of my voice, but yeah, it's an important thing. And I'd love for you to be able to do more 
album. So you got to take care of your voice. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I lived in Nashville for a bit, I did a lot at the Vanderbilt Hillel and they didn't have anybody to play, you know, play guitar along with some of the songs and, you know, start the singing and everything. And I never did any sort of like religious based music ever before then. And so I had to learn like the hits of Judaism in like a week. <laughs> and every single one of those songs is in A minor for oh, some yeah. <laughs> you know those tracks. Yeah. It's just a lot of melodic minor and it's just A minor to E seven and a bunch of I mean, dude, that's it's so funny because I think about the scale that you're performing on with the separate mixes and the streaming. This was like twelve Jewish college kids like just waiting for the brisket at the end of the at real. the end of the round, you know, but man, I admire the amount of work that you put into what you're doing. Especially when I do it on a shoestring budget. Like literally, yeah. I think I got our streaming thing going for three grand, if that. I mean, we had a we had a Personas mixing board with yeah. a, with a FireWire out. I wired that into an iMac, and Logic literally on that computer is our mix, and then on that computer using loopback. So, hey, shout out to uh, Rogue Amoeba. They make some amazing plugins and, and audio software. You can take your any sound on your computer and you can route it to any output. And wow. that allowed us to take that mix and then route it through Wirecast and Stream and go on YouTube. And if not for that software, like most of the time it's a hardware solution and it's five grand minimum yeah, just to sure. start. Um, you know, the downside is someone might turn on pitch correction and then you sound like a, a dying seagull. So that's, it crow. is what it is. Yeah. Well, so, hey, I wanted to... Uh, to touch base, I know you did a video on our YouTube channel about your favorite albums. And, oh, yeah. And I owe our YouTube followers you do. Yeah. my version, which I'm going to do. But I had this interesting thought the other yesterday, in fact, that uh, bothers me a little bit that I want to bring up and get your thoughts on. What you got? The importance of physical media. Yeah. So here's how I came to this. I don't know if you... Or Zach, who's monitoring us and helping us with our podcast, if you have ever heard this song or watched this movie. But I'm a child of the 80s. Mm -hmm. And growing up, one of my favorite movies was Teen Wolf with Michael J. Classic. Fox. Yeah. You ever seen it? Yeah. All right. So at the end of the movie, there's this great part. And it's a very poignant moment. Michael J. Fox comes out for the championship basketball game. Mm -hmm. And he's not the wolf. He's destroyed enough relationships. He's realized how much it changed him. Mm -hmm. You know, the fame, the grandeur, the popularity, this, the success of basketball in his alter ego. And so he's going to compete with his teammates as himself, which at the beginning of the movie was a pretty mediocre, terrible, you know, Midwest short kid playing basketball. Loser even. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he performs. They play this 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 team called the Dragons. Their team's the Beavers. Like, I loved this movie, right? Yeah. And there's this great song yeah. during that basketball uh, game yeah. called Win in the End. And it's by Mark Saffin. Do you know which song I'm talking about? I don't know the song. It's such a cool song. It's like 80s. It's it's synth poppy. He's got this great kind of David Bowie-esque like, voice to him. Yeah. And it's just a cool song. Yeah. So as things happen, it popped in my head Sunday afternoon. And I'm like, you know what? I want to listen to that song. <laughs> and I went and I searched Apple Music and I could not find that song. Now, I will, I got to pull out my phone and see who this was. I will give a shout out um, 
to a group called Ink Snow Issue because they did a cover of it in like 2011. <laughs> That's a deep cut, dude. It's a deep cut for sure. But um, I couldn't find it in Apple Music. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not in Apple Music. Let's check out the iTunes store. Not in the iTunes store. Amazon, Google Play, Last FM. I searched the internet because I started wow. going like, wait, seriously? I can't find this song to stream yeah. or download anywhere? Yeah, the only place I could listen to it was on YouTube. And so, you know, like a responsible person to, wanting to make sure that this is remembered, I downloaded it from YouTube yeah. uh, through, YouTube through, MP3, through yeah. means. Yeah. Uh, YouTube is now MeTube. Yeah. And, uh, and I converted it, and it's in my iTunes library. But, it, but here's the thing that bothered me. I can't find... If I wanted to buy that CD, yeah. I can't buy that CD anywhere. They don't have a little Teen Wolf soundtrack. No. Bonus track, you know. Now I started. I started. I deep end. dived in this man. I was like, okay, yeah. who's Mark Saffin? What's his discography? Do I can I find his music anywhere else? I could find nothing else about Mark Saffin. And then I found out his brother's Craig Saffin. And Craig Saffin, he has a long discography, and it's all movie soundtracks. Wow. He did like Nightmare on Elm Street, like all these yeah. movie uh, '80s movies back in the day. So you know, that's cool. That's how Mark ended up doing this song. But I'm not the only one, according to YouTube comments and people on Last FM, that liked this song. Yeah. And it, the the scary thing to me is, you can't buy it anywhere. And so it got me thinking when we're talking about the best albums. Yeah. How important physical media is, mm -hmm. because there are so many things. There, it's twofold actually. There's things that are just disappearing, particularly things that are not huge, pop you know, commercial successes, like those deep cuts, those indie bands. Yeah. Once that group is gone and their CDs are in the homes of the 12 people that bought them at a show or whatever, yeah, they're gone, you know? And, and unless there's a big publishing arm, like think about the stuff you're making, right? Mm -hmm. You're an indie artist. You don't have a huge publishing name behind you. Right. All right. People are going to buy your music. They're going to enjoy your music. And 20 years later, some guy's going to go, hey, there's this cat, cat I want you to hear. Yeah. You know, son or daughter. His name's Cooper Greenberg. Let me find him on Apple Music. Oh, no, I can't find him anywhere. Yeah, I'll be on there. <laughs> I'm on there right now. I know you are right now. Um, but, but that's the yeah. danger of not, uh, of, there's two things. So one, the dangerous things disappearing. The other thing that I've noticed with streaming stuff is things changing. Yeah. Remat not just remasters, but literally reproduce, uh, re reproduced songs that are different than the original. Are you talking about Taylor's versions? No, I'm talking about like, <laughs> just like there's a number of bands yeah. that I've gone back and I've I actually had in my library. This is the thing. I had things in uh, my Spotify library and in my Apple Music library. They were my songs. Like I uploaded those CDs. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they changed the version. They changed the version online, and then what I had in my library was now different. I've run into that a few times as well. It's interesting because, like, the this is a mystery that if anybody's listening to this and you know, um, like, I, I bought the album Kid A by Radiohead, mm -hmm. and the Idiotech intro was different. When I, like, it's, it could be something where I... It's like a Mandela effect kind of thing. No, I don't think um, so, because I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a little funky. And then th th also, do you know the song Graduate by Third Eye Blind? I do know that song. Do you know that song? It's like a... I bought this version that I originally, you know, I thought was the OG version. And then every version that I've ever heard has this weird little vocal turnaround in the intro 
that was never there in the version that I had. And it makes me think I'm going crazy. <laughs> the other problem is um, when we did, I did the my top guitar albums video, I had a Joni Mitchell record in there. And I have a pretty okay sized vinyl collection because I inherited a ton from different family members' collections and all that. But I started, you know, filling up my collection with things. I got Ladies of the Canyon by Joni Mitchell. And then this past year, her and Neil Young uh, pulled themselves out of Spotify, as did Crosby, Stills, Mm -hmm. and Nash. And, like, those are some of my most listened to albums. Like, So Far by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, uh, and Some Young. Lucky that I've got it on vinyl. Different Joni albums and Neil Young solo albums. It's like, that's my only means because I'm too stubborn to switch to Apple Music because I like my Spotify exclusive albums (laughs) where my bands that I like do little weird cover singles and stuff. But yeah, it's just weird. It's You'd think that with the entire like democratization of music that it it should be pretty easy to find what you want to listen to. And I think this goes further. You know, I I heard that there's a lot of old TV shows or old movies that aren't on any streaming services and the hang up is music rights. Yeah. You know, that were in a particular episode or were part of the opening, you know, credits of a show or what have you. And so because they can't secure these rights, the, 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 the stuff just gets lost to time. And so, you know, the concern, and I think the takeaway is, I, I really have a stronger, you know, desire to like look for and invest in, you know, physical media. Yeah. Again, because I don't want stuff to be lost. It's it's the concern I used to have with pho- photography. Yeah. Once you move to digital cameras and everything just exists in the cloud or on your computer, that seems really uh, concerning to me. And so, yeah, as a family. We produce like books of photos from yeah. vacations and stuff because we won't lose anything. Man, I switched phones two weeks ago, and my iCloud stuff wasn't working. I was about to lose every photo that I ever taken on my previous phone, so I left the store, went home, backed everything up to you know separate hard drive, and then put it all on my new phone. It took like a whole day. It's like sixteen thousand photos and like four thousand videos. It's just <laughs> every important thing that's ever happened. I was just about to. Give it up for some new apps. I don't think so. Start putting that stuff in some books, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. Let me give you one more deep cut that I'm obsessed with. So, are you an Elvis Costello fan? I am. So Who's not? Yeah, who's not? I don't know. But um, he did a cover of the song She for, I believe it was the film Notting Hill. And I love that song so much. The movie was okay. It was all right. But yeah, that song is uh, a highlight. When the film Gone Girl came out, um, you know, what was that, 2016 or something like that? In the trailer, the singer from the Psychedelic Furs did a cover of She, and I thought it was so cool, and they never put that song out. And I've been searching for that version, because I'm like, they got put this out as a single. Never got put out until I put a Google alert on it. I was like, when is this version going to be released? Somebody put it up on SoundCloud, and I was like, here we go. And then I listened to it. I, you know, got so excited. And it was just like a rip of the audio from the trailer. So you can hear Ben Affleck being like, I did not kill my that's wife. That's funny. Ruined my day. But, you know, sometimes yeah. that's the only way you're getting this stuff. That's true. There's a number of songs I've, I've seen in movies and shows that come up like that. And then, yeah, that's how it happens. So, yeah. well, keep your media. Yeah. Make sure us... that your plugins are turned off to not wreck your voice. Yeah. And send us your tips on how we could sing better. 
and be on the lookout. Place your bets now for how many, uh, you know, Phil Kagey records are on the Chris top five. None. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh oh. I'm going for the most. I I'm trying to look at things that were most formative for guitar. We'll see if I hit it. Perfect. Let's I'm go. sure everyone will go. You missed these 15. But Just yeah. like they did with mine. It's all yeah. good. It's a list of five people. But we'll see y'all then. <laughs>